we're going to use we're going to use the mics not to be like overpowering but um so we can record this so that we can um, post these online and everybody who wasn't able to make it or went to other sessions and wants to hear and learn can. So um, I'm so glad y'all are here. This makes me excited that we get to do this. My name is Martha. Um, I have the privilege of serving on the Nest leadership team. Um, and I am also a foster mom. Um, we're a foster family. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I am married to Josh for about 10 years. We've got two bio kids. We have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl, uh, four and a half. She would be mad if I left that part out. Um, so we had two kiddos, and then second pregnancy was not super fun. Um, I didn't feel great. It was really hard on our marriage. And so we um, wanted more kids, but I didn't want to have more kids. And so we started um, talking about adoption. It was something that we both had been interested in. And so we um, wanted to explore that a little bit more and ended up coming to the Intro to Adoption class that Watermark hosts here, which is great. Little plug for that. It's like a six-week course, um, and they talk about all things adoption, international, domestic, foster care, and they just lay it out on the table. Um, I went into it really thinking that we would do like a domestic adoption and like birth mom, baby, like seal the deal, like we're done. Um, and really through that process, just um, really felt the Lord pulling us towards foster care and um, for a lot of different reasons. So after that class, we prayed through it, um, decided foster care, found an agency. Um, and by the time we got licensed, that whole process was about 18 months from exploration to licensure. So we were um, licensed in November of 2017. And right after we got licensed, within a week, we had our first placement. We had two kiddos, um, a sibling pair come to us. They were two and one. They were actually 10 months apart. So I'm just going to let that simmer. 10 months apart right? Um, and then we had two kiddos at the time that were four and two, and then we had a two and a one-year-old. So um, yikes, in hindsight, it's like, I was real crazy. Um, so they came into our home right on the holidays, and we were told that they didn't have any other, we didn't have any other family that they would go to, no other open home studies or anything like that. And so um, they would probably be with us for about six months, um, and we were like, okay, cool. Like, let's get in this routine. Um, while their mom was working on the stuff she needed to work on. So, um, the holidays were hard, but probably by February we were in a routine, um, preschools and like learning home rules and just things like that. And, um, unfortunately for that routine being established, we found, we got news that, um, grandma, their grandmother who had had some work conflict prior and wasn't able to take the kids, was now able to take the kids. Um, and so um, that started the process of her getting licensed um, and the court approving that. And that was just a roller coaster of maybe they'll leave, maybe they won't. Um, and so that lasted from February until July. Um, so that was difficult, just writing that kind of up and down of not knowing how long they would stay and trying to make family vacation plans, or, you know, I mean, just all the things. So they left um, in July and went to um, go live with their grandmother, which was a big celebration um, for them to get to go back and live with family. Uh, right after they left, we stayed closed for about three months, which means that we were just not taking any calls, no placements, anything like that. And um, that was a really sweet time for us because my son had started kindergarten. And while he was kind of my self-sufficient big kid helper, when kindergarten started, he was so needy. And I just really had to pour into him. So the Lord's timing was really sweet. And me having that margin to really pour into him during that season. Um after that three-month period, we decided to um, just open for respite care, which is like long-term babysitting care for kids in foster care. Um, we do respite care mostly for our friends that we've met through foster care. Um, and so if they have a family vacation planned and kids can't go, or we had a friend this summer that moved and we kept their baby for a week, um, we get to keep them, and that's really fun for us to get to live on our friends, live on the foster kids, and still um, have margin for our young family. Um, 
the kids that went back with their grandmother, and we are so lucky to still have a relationship with them and stay in touch with them um, and go watch soccer games and have them over for pool parties and and whatever else. So that's really sweet. Um, But that's kind of where we are now. Um, This is Kate Wallace, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Kate. Is this on? Oh, okay. It's not as loud as I expected, which is nice. Um, So I have a husband, Dustin, and we've been married 15 years. And then we have a total of five kids. So we have three biological kids um, and two adopted kids who are adopted out of foster care. And so uh, we have an 11-year-old girl named Nora, 10-year-old Jazz. She was adopted in June. Uh, Eight-year-old Asher, biological six-year-old Bennett biological, and then two-year-old Allie, who was also adopted in June. They're um, biologically half-sisters. And so um, our story started really a long time ago, like in between our second and third bio kids. I really felt pretty clearly called to adopt. Um, Didn't know what that looked like, but honestly, it's the only time it's ever happened in my life. I have an experience where I really feel like the Lord spoke to me directly and told me that's what we were supposed to do. Um, and that was uh, back in like 2012. And so <laughs> I told my husband that very tearfully, and he looked at me and was like, that's really sweet, but I don't feel that way. <laughs> and so then commenced a few years of just a lot of praying for both of us about um, just for the Lord to get us on the same page, because uh, we knew that if we weren't both wanting to um, adopt, that it was a no. Uh, that the so that's just kind of something if, if y'all have friends who are thinking about fostering or adopting that's some advice that you can give them is you you've got to be on the same page as your spouse but um, after a few years of praying and for me like crying off and on about it uh, we had a third biological child in the mix of all this and um, but one day my husband felt the calling too and so um, it was just an interesting process of trusting the Lord when um, just to, for his timing, not mine. And so um, we also, like Martha, did the um, intro to adoption class at Watermark, which is excellent. Like she said, I highly recommend it. And um, going into it, we weren't really sure what, uh, exactly what our adoption process would look like. Uh, And it helped us narrow it down to foster care. And it also, another way stretched us is we had to grapple with the fact that fostering might not lead to adoption. Um, the goal is always family reunification when you're fostering. And, um, I mean, I look back at where I was then and where I am now. The Lord's really taught me a lot through that process, um, because that was my heart to want to adopt. But that was another thing we had to pray through was getting to a place where we were like, okay, Lord, we trust you, um, that this may not look like we think it should look or hope it should look. Um, so it took us about a year to get licensed after that class. Once we decided we were going the foster care route, we got our license in July of 2017 and pretty quickly got our first placement. So in August of 2017, we got Allie, who was six weeks old at the time. And we're actually told that we would probably only have her for the weekend. So it was a Friday and they were like, there's some relatives that probably want her. So she'll probably be gone on Monday. And I remember thinking, okay, well, this is like a really sweet little quick intro to this. This will be good. And fast forward, now she's adopted. I mean, we, she stayed with us forever. Um, so that first year with her, um, we just had Allie, but we started doing visits with biological family. That's um, usually part of it when you foster, not always. And um, found out that she um, had a whole bunch of siblings who I got to see at the visits. Uh, CPS does like arranged court-ordered visits with parents or with siblings or both. And so um, I just kind of started developing a heart for her siblings and talked to my husband about it. And we started just telling CPS that if there ever needed to be a home for any of those kids, that we wanted to be considered um, for up to two of them. And... Fast forward to July 2018, so about a year after, year into this process, um, the girl's biological mother did not complete her services, which we, and we gave you a little sheet with some of these definitions, but when your child is removed from care, that you are given a service plan as a parent, which is like 
basically a list of things that you have to do um, in order for a judge to let you parent your children again. And she did not do those things, unfortunately. And so her rights were terminated, which means the court said, you're no longer these kids' mom. Um, And that was just kind of as a little aside, that was way more emotional and hard for me than I would have expected. I remember not feeling excited. It was heavy. It was sad. This is a family being dissolved, you know? Um, And it's interesting because a lot of people in my life were like, are you so excited? And it was like, no, I'm sad. I mean, this is sad. It's tragic. Um, Anyway, so she, mom, appealed the court's decision. So that drug things out another six months but the court denied her appeal. And so after that happened, um, Jazz, who was nine at the time, she's now our adopted daughter also, and uh, one of the girl's brothers who was six were placed with us in January 2019, if y'all are following along. And so we now had six kids, two new kids ages six and nine with a lot of trauma and some way harder behavior behavior and bigger needs than we were told. And so they were placed in our home with the intention of us adopting them because mom's rights have been terminated at this point, remember. Um, But the little boy who was six, precious, I still love him and pray for him and um, beautiful little boy, but he, without going into too much detail, had some massive needs that we just were not the right family for. And he actually ended up being admitted into a psych hospital, suicidal, on his 10th day with us. It was still like the most gut-wrenching thing I've ever gone through in my life. Um, And the decision was made collectively between us, CPS, CASA, our agency, that he needed to not come back to our home when he was discharged from the hospital. So that was just a sad thing. And um, I think that particular sad thing isn't common, but the lesson there is that foster care is incredibly unpredictable, incredibly. I think we would both say, like, it didn't go the way we pictured (laughs) at all. Um, So fast forward to June, this this past June 2019, we did adopt both girls. This time, Allie had just turned two and Jazz had just turned 10. Um, So that's really still pretty fresh. Um, now, so it's November now, um, and Jazz has some pretty difficult behavior. She's 10, and she's got some significant um, just cognitive delays, um, all just because of the trauma she's endured in her life. And so really, um, I feel like this is a lifelong journey for us. We are done fostering at this point. We feel like our family's complete. Five kids is enough for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at now is just accepting and realizing that this is going to be a daily, lifelong journey for all seven of us. So, yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, we, are, we have experienced foster care and adoption. Family Restoration is Watermark's kind of umbrella ministry, and they cover a whole slew of things um, because their goal is to serve this entire population. Um, so, really, um, they're there to minister to like the children and the families that are affected by um, abuse or neglect. That includes fam- like mothers or fathers that have had their kids removed via CPS, those children that have been involved, um, as, but also for the families that are giving of themselves in foster in serving in foster care and adoption. Um, and that is just like straight biblical calling. I mean, that comes from James one twenty seven and also in Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19, um, that we're called to love the orphans and the widows, um, and to provide justice for the fatherless. Um, and so that's really the, um, heart behind that. So we, um, are going to talk specifically to foster care today. Foster care, like Kate mentioned, is just really like complicated and unpredictable. And there's so many factors that go into things and you get told one thing and then like the next day it's a totally different story. So that's, um, just part of the complexity of it. Um, so on the handout that we have given you guys, we try to include a brief kind of generalized summary of what that looks like. So at first, like just the definition of foster care, if you're not familiar, and then the CPS and foster care process. Again, that's just like really basic outline. Uh, cause the, again, there's a lot of factors that go into that as far as what could, um, delay or accelerate different processes because it's a legal process. So, I mean, that kind of makes a little bit more sense. Um, 
tons of common terms that are included on here. Um, these are things that if you have somebody that is a, a friend or a family member going through foster care, they may kind of throw these terms around like an ad litem and a CASA worker and what's the difference between a case manager and a case worker and all these kinds of things. Um, and so we try to include probably the most common or the most important terms on there. So um, we won't go through all of that stuff today because we don't want you to feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. Um, what we want to do is really just give you guys some practical tangible things that you can do and take away to love on people that are in foster care. And then you have this handout to refer to if you want more information. And then, of course, you are always welcome to reach out to us or um, to Family Restoration, which is um, on Watermark's website if you guys ever have any questions or need any specific help with anything. So um, we'll go ahead and flip to the back side of y'all's little handout here. Um, I do, real quick, before we jump into, we're going to talk about kind of our things to do things to say list. Um, I do want to touch on one of the terms that Kate mentioned, which is trauma. And I just want to mention this because I feel like this is one of the most important things when it comes to foster care. So trauma is really referring to any psychologically distressing event that happens that is outside of the normal normal emotional experience. So um, a lot of that is neglect. Um, Some of it is abuse, which is maybe physical, emotional, sexual abuse. Um, But we use the term a lot, kids from hard places, because these kids have just come from really hard places. Um, And so that story and what defines that is different, but what is the same is that these kids have experienced trauma. And that manifests in all kinds of different ways, um, whether it's emotional delays, cognitive delays, um, all all kinds of different stuff. So I just wanted to touch on that because that is a very, like, underlying um, common factor that... um, that kind of transcends all of all of foster care. Um, so let me get my little note page out here. So, okay. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to add um, also that it says on there something I think about in utero trauma. Um, so I think like a common misconception with adoption in general, but that we heard a lot when we got Allie because she was six weeks old was, oh, good, you got a baby. So she won't have the scarring or the long-term effects that an older kid would have because the older kids in foster care are going to be really messed up like we heard a lot of comments like that and really like that is false like adoption is a loss period and even in utero um like the inner uterine environment can affect a child and so, yeah there's a lot of research that shows that um anyway like um Food scarcity for a pregnant woman um, transfers to a child that they may have like food insecurity as a toddler just because they experience that in, you know, stress transfers, a lot of those things. So um, the mothers that have their kids taken away at birth obviously have them removed for a reason. And so they've experienced trauma because the mother has experienced trauma. So um, yeah, just a little just, education. Right. A little just that there. there's loss inherent yeah. in adoption, period. Mm-hmm. Like. If you have a friend that's adopting, even if it's not through foster care, yeah. they're going to have to grapple with that yeah. at some point. It is. Just a little plug. Um, okay. Well, so on the back of the page there, um, we've got just um, a couple little columns. and We're going to start with things to do. These are simple things, general things. The first one that we put on here was educate yourself. And give yourself a pat on the back or a high five to your neighbor because you started that already because you're here. You, like, you want to know more and you want to know how to help and what it's about. Um, I think looking things up, like these terms that we've included on the page, if you're curious, like there's ample information on um, online, just like on um, Department of Family, uh, DFPS, Department of Family protective and protective services. services. <laughs> um, the website that you can kind of get um, a good picture of the process here. Um, ask questions when you're talking with these friends that are going through these things. And maybe not when they are like unloading an emotional experience on you and they mention the word CASA worker. Don't stop them and ask them then, but ask them later. Hey, you talked about a CASA worker. Like, who is that? Like, I want to know. Um, and just help, help understand so that it takes that burden off of them of constantly having to explain things. Um, also talking to your kids. Um, these are things, these are tools that I love to use because I feel like it teaches our kids the heart behind what we're doing. Um, and it does not have to be complicated. Um, 
We kept it super simple in our family when we were opening up for foster care. Um, our kids were four and two, and so they were old enough to understand a little bit of something. Um, and so we just mentioned, like, hey, we're going to help take care of some kids since we've got an extra bedroom while their mommy has to work on some things. Um, and I kid you not, that was the only sentence I said. And then my son was like, great, can we read a book for bedtime? Um, so you can keep it simple and they get it. And then the kids are there. Or if you have a neighbor that's doing that, using that they're helping take care of so-and-so while their mommy works on things. Um, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out expl- explanation. And then if they have questions, they'll ask you um, as they see that interaction. They'll ask you, and then you'll have time to explain a little bit more. But talking to your kids so it's not um, something odd when when so-and-so has two extra kids with them all the time all of a sudden. So um, I would say stay involved and check in long-term. Chrissy mentioned this um, when she spoke. Um, This doesn't have to be that you're over there all the time or you're bringing a meal every week or things like that, but like once a month, even if it means putting a reminder in your calendar, because let's be honest, if it's not on my calendar, like it does not happen. I have embarrassing reminders on my calendar Uh, because like an alarm every day to go pick up my children. Like I should be able to remember that, but mm -hmm, yeah. Um, So adding those in like, hey, the first Tuesday of every month, I'm going to text Kate and just see, hey, what's new? Like, how are things going? How can I pray for you? Um, And just staying involved. Um, And that way you're there. They know that you're there if they do need something or just to have that um, kind of emotional support there. Um, also in lower on the list, we included, um, keeping track of what dates are coming up. Um, this also includes anniversaries like Chrissy mentioned, but, um, with foster care, there's typically kind of a, a calendar of, um, important court dates, or maybe there is a mediation between parents or there was supposed to be some like ECI eval or something like that. So marking those dates and following up, um, it just really means a lot to have that intentional, like, hey, I'm following your story. I want to know how things are going with you. Did anything important happen or change? And that way, next time you see them and it's carpool pickup, you're not having to ask for an update um, that's just like open-ended or whatnot. Um, And I also think you don't necessarily have to know everything. It doesn't have to be like, hey, I want to know every single detail because that personally, it got really exhausting for me to explain to everybody everything that was going on with our case all the time. But um, just knowing that you're, that you're listening, that you care, that you're present, I think is a huge, uh, huge support for people. Um, this one, I feel like could probably be in bold and like glow in the dark and highlighted, but you could get verified to babysit. Now, I think this makes a lot of people really nervous because you're like, ooh, babysit foster kids. Like, Sometimes foster kids are crazy, and they are. They are. Sometimes they're like a handful, and it's like really nutso having like toddlers that are just crazy. But getting verified day babysit does not mean that you are going to be there Saturday night, every week, date night babysitter. Um, what that means is that you are able and available. Um, I had several friends that got licensed to babysit um, that I never had to use. But when you have a kiddo that gets the flu and you have to take them to the doctor's office, you don't want to take your other three toddlers with you. Foster kids can't just, I can't just drop them off at my neighbor's house. You have to be background checked. You have to be fingerprinted. Um, so just being that emergency person that like anybody can watch somebody else's kids for two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's different than respite. So babysitting, um, there's kind of three levels to um, being able to help out and watch foster kids. Babysitting um, is going to be that you have to be background checked and fingerprinted, and that's going to go through the agency. So, um, for example, CK Family Services is an agency. And so if you wanted to babysit for me, you would have to get the form to authorize a background check from my agency, You submit that, they'll run the background check, and when and if that comes back clear, um, you will get a um, go ahead to make an appointment to get fingerprinted. Um, These fingerprints are like higher level than most fingerprints. So, like if you're a teacher or a nurse, you probably had to get fingerprinted for your job. You'll have to still do these fingerprints because these are like FBI level fingerprints. Um, it, It takes like two seconds to sign this sheet to have a background check done, and it takes maybe five five minutes for the fingerprint appointment. Um, and I, there is a cost associated with the fingerprints. Um, I think it's maybe $45. Um, we always offer to cover that for people that were willing to babysit for us, but um, they were like, whatever, no big deal. Um, 
Then on top of that, so that's just a babysit, and that is um, a not regular babysitter. You couldn't be their nanny, um, but you could babysit kind of on the flyer at like kind of interval times or whatnot. And then also if you wanted to babysit overnight, you would have to have those two things plus CPR certification, um, CPR and first aid. And then you can babysit for up to 72 hours. So that would be like a weekend or something like that. So that's another thing that's real easy to do. Um, and then anything beyond 72 hours is considered respite care. And it, to be respite certified, you have to go through basically all of the same um, licensing as a foster family. Um, I think there may be two differences, but overall it's almost exactly the same. What's up? There is a max time for respite, but I think it depends on the case. Um, like a foster family, like they try and keep the kids, obviously continuity of care that you want like the kids to stay with the same family and not bounce around a lot to respite. Um, I think typically they say like 10 days and then you need to have approval and then um, see, and this depends. This is what I know from our case. Um, I'm sure there's extenuating circumstances, but overall you get like a certain number of days. Um, and then like if we needed, if we had something going on and we needed to use respite more often, we could get that approved through, um, through our agency. So I didn't say this at the beginning. Y'all are awesome with asking these questions. I'm totally fine with it. But if there's like random questions that you think of, jot them down and we'll totally have questions, like time for questions at the end. So don't feel like, um, I won't like address things if you like think of something random or have a specific question. Um, so babysitting, I think I covered babysitting. Did I forget anything there? No, okay. Good. Yeah. Um, and another practical thing that I think we're also good at for anybody that's going through like a busy season or crisis is like taking the meal. So if they don't have a meal train set up, offering to set one up or signing up for a meal train. Um, and it does not have to be homemade. It does not have to be anything but uh, fancy. Just dropping it on their porch. Do not linger. Do not stay. Do not ask to see the kids. Um, it's like a drop and run situation. Um, but that was a huge blessing. I mean, we had meals for like six weeks when we first got our kids. And it was like, hallelujah, amazing. Um, and so that's just a huge, I mean, easy way. It's so easy, I think, for a lot of us just like make a double batch of spaghetti and then drop it off at so-and-so's house. So um, there's a couple extra things on there that are kind of self-explanatory, but I'll let um, Kate um, pick up on things to say. Okay. So things to say. Um, it's funny, like the first thing on the list is nothing. <laughs> It, what we mean by that is basically just think before you speak. Um, there are, are a lot of heightened emotions. I mean, really with being a parent in general, right? But when you're um, bringing in kids that have a lot of hurt and really like sad, traumatic stories, um, it can be really hard to be badgered with just offhand comments, opinions, thoughtless questions. And I mean, Lord knows I'm guilty of some of that with people say like putting my foot in my mouth and realizing later I shouldn't have said something. Um, so there's grace there. But if it sounds funny in your head, don't say it. Just don't. Just keep it in there. Because <laughs> um, I think, I mean, we could tell you all some stories about things people have said to us. Um, and I think like to tack on to it, I'll just touch on this while we're while we're here is my two adopted girls are black. And as those of you that are here looking at me, I'm white. And so they don't match. And that's often the case with adoption, right? I mean, the children are not going to look like their adoptive parents or siblings necessarily. Um, and just, you know, be sensitive to that. Um, like just like a couple weeks ago, I told Martha this, but we were at uh, my daughter Jazz's volleyball game and a man there said, so how is it different to do black hair than normal hair in front of her? And she heard that, you know? I mean, the connotation there, of course, is that her hair is not normal. Um, and it's just, uh, I attended a training recently about transracial adoption where they said, when you are transracially adopted into a family that's not your culture, it's like a, mi a million tiny paper cuts that build up over time with these thoughtless little comments people make. Um, and so just be careful that what you're saying doesn't have any racial bias to it, um, that you're not othering the child, 
that you're not making them, or that you're not like tokenism, like making too big a deal out of them. And I mean, just just be cautious. Um, you can use the word black. You can talk about race, but you just need to do it in a sensitive way. Um, so that's and my I think little plug on that. Yeah, I think it's totally appropriate to ask questions because people are curious mm -hmm. and they want to know yes. and they want to know what's that like. I mean, and that helps you identify with them and empathize mm -hmm. with their situation. But I think a more appropriate question for that guy would have been like, tell me what it's like to have a black daughter or like, tell mm -hmm. me about her hair. Like you can ask those questions and that's not necessarily, I mean, people are curious. Yeah. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, maybe at a basketball game in front of her isn't the best right. place, but like it's totally okay to ask those questions, but just be aware of the sensitivity and the connotation that right. comes with it. Yeah. You don't need to be colorblind and pretend that they're not, they don't look different. That's silly, you know, but just be sensitive. Um, and then just compliment them like you would any family or any kid, you know, um, just basically when somebody is fostering, or at least for me, I wanted people just to see them all as my children. I didn't want there to be differentiation, like which ones are yours and which ones are, you know, and that kind of stuff. So just, you have a beautiful family, like something you would say to anybody. Um, and then asking about the kid without differentiating them, you could just, Hey, tell me about your new kiddo. I see you've got some new babies in your family. What is she like? What is she, you know, I mean, just, you can be curious and ask questions um, uh, in a way that's positive, right? And just like you would with anybody's child. They just want to feel like they belong, these kids that are suddenly thrown into a world that is completely foreign to them in every single way. So the more you can just normalize the family and treat them like anybody else, I think the better. Um, a good question to ask if you have a friend who's currently fostering is ask her or him, what has changed in your world that you miss? And then think or ask them, how can I help make that happen again for you? So uh, this kind of helps them look and examine what they might need from you. But like for example, with me, um, I like to run and it became hard to go on a run on my like normally regularly scheduled times once we got Allie, partly because of like the babysitting issue and partly just because you're busy. You've got CPS visiting, CASA visiting, all these extra appointments. And I had a neighbor across the alley from me who got background checked and fingerprinted and she would just come over once or twice a week during Allie's nap, like at one o'clock, and sit in my living room with her laptop and work while I went on a run. Because um, that was something that had changed for me, right? That was something that I loved to do that I was not as easily being able to do anymore. And she found a way just to meet that need for me. And that was so huge. So any way that you can help make their world um, less crazy, less different than what they're used to is really going to be appreciated. Um, also, just when you're offering the help, be specific. And I think this applies to any any situation that's challenging that a family might be going through. So instead of just throwing out there, let me know how I can help. Um, say like, hey, um, I would like to bring you dinner uh, Sunday night. Will that be okay? And if they say, oh, Sunday actually doesn't work, well, how about Monday? Like, be specific with it. Or, um, hey, I have two hours every Wednesday afternoon that I'd be happy to come over and you could go to the gym or run to the grocery store by yourself, but I would love to do that for you every Wednesday. Just whatever it is. Um, also, like, if they have biological children, um, maybe offer to pick their bio kids up for a play date every once in a while. Sometimes I feel like the biological kids kind of get lost and forgotten in the shuffle, you know? And so just think of specific things. Everybody has some margin in their life. And we're, so we're not ask, saying that y'all need to um, bend over backwards and just take hours and hours out of your time. But think like, where is a place that you could help this family and what's something practical that you could do? And then specifically offer that. Um, I had friends that would just text me and say, hey, I'm about to run to Target. Do you need anything? I'd be like, oh, yes, we're almost out of diapers or whatever. You know, like some, they were already going to Target. That wasn't a big sacrifice. So, yeah. But for you to get five kids out the door after mm -hmm. school at 3.30 and go get diapers from Target may have been like the end yes. of your existence. Right. Right. So. Exactly. Um, so um, we'll jump back over to things not to do. So first and foremost, this is big. Don't share the kid's story. And honestly, don't ask the kid's story. Um, 
their story is so personal and so hard. And the foster family is having to deal with that too, whether they're having to relive those things, they're having to deal with the consequences of those things. Um, And honestly, it doesn't matter what their story is because we kind of touched on trauma as trauma. So whether they um, like drug use is in the picture or abuse or neglect, whatever the cause is for them being there, it just doesn't really matter. Like these kids have just had a hard life. If you are privileged to have that information, if the foster mom has shared that stuff with you just to explain something more or help you understand, or they just need to get it off their chest and talk about it, guard that story. Um, it is not yours to tell. And even more so, um, think about it as your way of protecting the child, because if they stay where they are, that story follows them, um, and they need to be protected from that and let them grow in health and wellness and in love instead of always being defined by the trauma that they did not choose to have. Um, so that is my big soapbox there, but just, it's not, it's not yours to share. Um, don't try and fix it. Um, I think a lot of times you're going to encounter hard situations with foster care, um, that they're having a hard time with their kiddo or their kiddo's having a hard time with something or the kiddo's family and X, Y, Z, and you don't have to fix it. And like, hallelujah, freedom and that. Like, But I think a lot of times being a listening ear is huge. Um, not trying to um, provide a solution, but just sitting with them and saying, I'm sorry, this is so hard right now. Um and like, I'm here for you, but um, not not necessarily trying to just change it. And which is, that's like me, y'all. I'm like type A, like, well, let's just fix this. Like, of course I want it to be better. Um, and um, let's see, don't compare life situations, y'all. This also goes with things not to say. We had a friend who just the other day was um, swimming at the gym. And I don't know how the conversation started, She's talking about foster kids, and the lady at the gym is like, I know exactly how that is. I have two foster greyhounds, Mm -hmm. and compared her two dogs to this girl's two foster kids, and her emotions may have been so valid. Like, she may really felt like she had, like, identified with this foster mom, with her foster dogs, but the truth is, like, you don't understand what their situation is like, and you don't have to. You don't have to compare life situations. Um, You can just understand that it's hard and sit with them in that. Um, I'm going to throw in one other thing, too, if that's okay. Um, The other thing that goes right along with that is just realize that they are probably going to have to parent their children a little differently, Uh and so in that their children's behaviors are probably going to be a little more challenging than most typical kids. Not necessarily. Like, I don't at all want to act like all foster kids are a hot mess. But, um, and so another time not to compare that was really hard and continues to be hard on me sometimes is if I am being vulnerable and sharing with you what we're struggling with in my family, and you say in turn, oh, that reminds me of what my daughter did. She was also brood last week and and then you tell me how to fix it and how to parent my child who has had more trauma than you can possibly understand that's that's hard that just makes me want to shut down like well never mind like they're trying to you know and so just be aware like these kids are not going to respond to necessarily traditional parent parenting techniques Um, and so sometimes the best advice can come across as just kind of insensitive and like clueless. So (laughs) just be be supportive and listen and encourage, but maybe be slow with advice giving. Yeah. 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 um, I had another thought with that and it fell out of my head. No, it's okay. Um, I would also say like, you're going to get hard emotions. Like people are going to say things that you think like, oh my goodness, like I can't believe she feels that way. Um, I mean, for example, I struggled with the whole uh, feeling different about my bio kids than my foster kids. Um, When my foster kids would wake up in the morning, I'd hear them waking up and be like, oh my gosh, I do not want to go get them out of their crib. Like, I'm not ready for this. Like deep breath. Like, um, I've even heard people share like, I don't like the way they smell. Um, they smelled, I mean, they, they're somebody else's kids. And so they're just like things that like sound so odd, um, but they're hard feelings. They're hard feelings too. I felt guilty for so long because I didn't love these kids the same way I loved my bio kids. In hindsight, I'm like, that is so silly. Like, why would I think that like, just because they live in my house, I should feel the same way. Like that love has to be fostered. 
ha, play on words, fostered. Um, and that, that really does have to grow over time. And so you're going to get, you may get some of those hard emotions. And so my suggestion is just to listen again, just listen. Also, you can um, refer them to mom to mom, which is a foster mom um, and adoptive mom support group that um, meets at Watermark every third Friday. It's one Friday a month, and it's typically the third Friday, uh-huh. but not always. It is, sometimes sometimes there's, there's like conflicts. events here or holidays or things like that. But that's just an awesome place that um, if they need to process some of those things, is a really a safe place to do that. Um, the other thing um, I mentioned earlier with taking food, don't linger when you're dropping off meals and stuff. Um, what was a huge blessing for me was a lot of people, when they brought me dinner, would um, bring a stack of paper plates and like napkins. And so like dinner was like done, and I was... I feel bad for the planet, but I threw so much stuff away. Um, and so that's just another, like, super practical little helper. Um, okay. Okay. Finish this up. Yeah. So our last little category is things not to say, which I feel like I've kind of already touched on some of this. But one thing that I think, like, it's the number one thing that is said to me is comments meant to be, I know the heart behind it is it's a compliment, but you're so brave, you're so great, you're an angel, I could never do that. Uh, all of those, the intent behind it is awesome. Um, but sometimes those kind of comments can make make me cringe a little inside um, because I don't feel great or awesome or brave or strong. I mean, we're just normal people. Um, we all biblically are called in some way or another to care for orphans and widows, right? Um, and also the implication when you say to somebody, I could never do what you're doing. And a lot of times the second part to that is they say, I would get too attached to those kids. I couldn't stand the risk that they might go home and leave me. To me, the implication of that, it, or the way it made me feel is, well, then what do you think is wrong with me? Do you think I'm just cold hearted and that I'm not attached? Because I'm totally attached, you know? Um, and so that's just one of those things that's well-meaning, but not necessarily helpful. Um, another thing that you do not need to ask is, why are they in foster care? Um, I got asked so many times, so did her mom do drugs? I mean, over and over and over when we first got baby Allie. And I mean, you don't need to know that. Like Martha said, whatever the story is, it's hard or they wouldn't be in foster care. And so you don't really need to know the details, right? Unless I mean, if it's your close friend, you probably are going to learn those eventually. But just just don't ask. You don't need to know. Um, another hard one is people will ask, so do you get to keep him or do you get to keep her? Um, and that's a valid question too. But if you really understand how foster care works, like we said, that's not the goal. The goal is reunification. And uh, so that question can just, I don't know, just create some hard feelings um, when you're asked that. And um it just, there's, it, I mean, it's based on the misconception that what is best for that child would be to stay in that foster family, when really what is best is for God to restore the biological family relationship so that they can go home, because that's what he intended, right? It was a healthy family unit. Um, that is our goal, um, and so just kind of focusing on that, that that's the goal of foster care. Um, adoption is beautiful and can bring redemption and healing, but it's not necessarily the automatic best solution just because you think it looks better on paper. Um, Don't ask for more emotions than the person is giving you, okay? Um, We would say that's probably with the exception of within close community and in a private safe space, but if you see your friend while you're on a walk on a neighborhood, don't stop her and how, you know, immediately like, oh my gosh, is it just so hard? Like, you know, um, I had times where people were stopping me at school drop-off when I was already holding back tears about whatever was going, because our case was very hard and very emotional. And then for them to ask me that and get in my face and want to know right then, I didn't want to cry at school drop-off, you know? (laughs) So just be sensitive to that. Um, And then being aware of the kids' presence. Obviously, this is especially true with older children, but like my 10-year-old can hear and process um, if you're asking questions about her mom or her siblings or whatever. I mean, and like I said, she doesn't want that stigma. And Martha said she doesn't, that's her place to share her story someday if she wants to. And so just be careful what you say in front of them. And again, that's also with race issues. Um, I've had some comments made, even stuff like in front of her, 
people have said offhand and stuff that we're all guilty of saying like, oh my gosh, that car is so ghetto or whatever. Well, she lived in some really serious poverty. And so those words have a different connotation for her, right? And it just makes her feel lesser than. So just be careful, be conscious of what you're saying, the impact it might have on little listening ears. Um, so I think that's it. Okay. Um, we are going to let you guys ask any questions that yeah. you have. Um, if you can speak up, and then I'll repeat the question okay. back to you just so we have it recorded. There's a Amy. hand. What's that? Um, what, okay, so she's asking what um, is something that would, you could say that would be encouraging to a foster mom. Um, I think, like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you're loving that child so well. Like, you are doing exactly what God calls you to, and this is hard. Um, what else? No, that's good. Like, acknowledging that it's hard, but, yeah, encouraging them that, like, I had a friend that would constantly tell me, you are doing kingdom work. Mm-hmm. Like, this is hard, and it is gritty, and it's messy, and you probably have some really complicated feelings, but you just need to remember that you are doing kingdom work. Mm. Like, that was huge for me. Um, Sharing scripture. Um, I had another friend that would just consistently text me really thoughtful scripture along with what specifically she prayed for me through that scripture, you know? Um, And so... and I mean, y'all, it's not like if somebody says to me, you're so awesome, and I, I get like ugh, deeply offended and like cuss Don't them out. Don't call me awesome. It's just, they're just better things to say. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, uh, I feel like I'm not answering no, I think this super those, well. No, I, is that good? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What else? What else? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if somebody's asked me their story, basically, or, like, why are they in foster care, um, a lot of times I'm like, you know, they have just had a hard time, and we don't really share that story. I'm just kind of blunt with it. Um, I think um, some people may kind of dance around it, um, or, I mean, you could easily just be like, we don't know all the details, but, like, we're here to love them now. Um, and I will say for me, that's hard because I am a, like, I wear my heart on my sleeve kind of person. And so honestly, when somebody asks me that, I am tempted to just spill the beans. And there have been times I've been put in that position and I have overshared. And then afterwards I'm like, oh, I told way too much of my kid's story just now. That was not good. So it, it puts you in an awkward position. Um, what I generally try to say if I'm at my best is something to the effect of, you know, their mom has had a really difficult life with a lot of her own hurt and pain and trauma, and therefore she's just not been able to parent her kids well because her life experience, you know, has not been something kind of vague like that. But, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, and I can really identify with that. That's something I learned a lot um, through our kiddos being in our home. We um, had the privilege of seeing their mother once a week at visitation and had a great relationship with her. Um, And... Um, I learning more and more of her story, um, through the case, I just was really humbled in the fact that I learned that like, honestly, if I had been dealt the cards that she had been dealt, I can't say I would have made better decisions than she did. Um, and that's really hard to take in. Like the Lord has blessed me with parents and community and circumstances that have put me in the place where I am. And so I want to use those to really serve him and benefit him um, in restoring these kids back with their mom when she has not had the opportunity to do so. Um, and family restoration at Watermark, that's a big thing too, is like loving on these ladies and men too that have not had people love on them. I mean, that's how they get to these places. They're not deliberately choosing to be bad parents. They just have not been equipped. So, did you have a question? Sure. Go for it. We're okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah. So I'll answer the first part. So the question, yeah, the question is, um, when you have friends that have foster kids and they're there for a long time and then they leave, that loss that is experienced by maybe your biological kids, um, or really if you just know anybody and then they're gone, y'all, it's hard. It's so hard. It's sad because we love them and we miss them. Um, but we, when our kids, when we found out they were going home the next morning, we celebrated. I said, like, it <laughs> I'm going to cry thinking about it. And I cried when I told them. I said, y'all guys get to go home. Um, they got to go live with family. They have family that loves them. Like, hooray, Jesus. Like, it was such a big deal. And we went and got so much junk food. <laughs> and I'm sure they yeah, sent them home, like, on a sugar high. We got donuts. We went to our favorite Mexican food restaurant that day. We met everybody at Sweet Firefly because um, all of our friends wanted to come say goodbye. Um, and it was hard. And we are so blessed that we get to continue that relationship. Um, but... We're doing hard things. Your friends are doing hard things. Um, but like we're called to do what Jesus called us to do. And we're going to love them while we can. And we're going to pray for them when they're gone. And that is such a huge lesson that you can teach your kids. Um, that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to. Um, because we do want to protect them. And it's sad. But like how awesome that they get to learn this lesson now. Like that's such a big blessing for them. So embrace it and just lead out. Like just how you would love these kids and process that loss teach that to your kiddos. Yeah, for sure. And then your second question was, is there, now that we've adopted our girls, is there any relationship with biological parents? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, mm -hmm. so legally, is it done or could she at some point have a relationship again? So in our case, and this varies, right? Like I know parents who've adopted through foster care that part of the agreement with the court was seeing, continuing to see parents quarterly. Um, in our case, we do not see the biological mother anymore, but we see siblings. And so we're, and that doesn't mean that in the future, we might not have a relationship with her again. Um, in our particular case, it would not be safe for our children presently. Um, but no, she is, I mean, her rights are terminated. So, hmm? yeah, even a birth, like our girl's birth certificates has our names on it now. Like she is not, and their, and their father's rights were terminated as well. Yeah. Um, so that would be totally at our discretion as the girl's parents, or if the, when they're older and become adults, if they want to seek out those relationships, of course they could. Does that answer your question? So, yeah. Okay. Once they're adopted, that is legal. Like parents, like even yeah. before they're adopted, the court will terminate parental rights. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, that means that they are no longer parents. They have not established new parents. At that point, they'll establish what they call a PMC primary. I don't know. Something conservatorship, <laughs> yeah, technically primary CPS managing conservatorship, or and CPS is C just their or legal CPS, guardians they're like, in that yeah. interim period. Yeah. Um, and so when they do that, they um, are like, like I would be their primary guardian or whatnot. Parents are totally out of the picture. And then when adoption is finalized, like I'm their parent. Like Kate is Allie and Jazz's mom. Um, and it's like on all of the legal paperwork, it doesn't say adopted. It doesn't say anything like just mom. So. What else? Yes. Totally. Totally. So like when the question is, when is a good time? Like, when do you know you're ready? Um, if this is something that you're pursuing, um, never, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's just like when you have a baby, like there's never a perfect time to have a baby. Um, like you're prepared as prepared as you can be. And um, part of why we're doing respite care is because we loved having a sibling pair in our family. Um, but it was really hard to have two kids at home, even though they did preschool part-time and then two kids that were in foster care that needed stuff like speech evaluations and ECI and 
and um, occupational therapy and swallow studies. And I mean, I was taking all my kids to all those appointments. And that honestly was too much for us. So at the end of that season, we said, hey, let's take a break. Let's serve where we know we can serve. And then when we feel like we're ready, if that ever happens, we'll jump back into foster care and take placements of our own. And I think the biggest thing is kind of what Kate mentioned is that your answer may not be, hey, we're a licensed foster family, but how am I fulfilling the calling to love the orphans and the widows? Um, so the Intro to Adoption class, play, uh, class is an awesome place to start. I think they just give you so much information that especially if you and your spouse can go together, it just really helps you process that, process it with community. They're going to give you feedback and that like, hey, you know, you say you want this, but like I think you may need to work out these details first or like clear some space in your schedule for this. Um, because it is time consuming, um, it's emotionally taxing, um, but I know plenty of people who have babies and do foster care. So it's it's individual, um, but did you want to add something? No, I was just going to say there will always be a reason not to do it, right? I mean, always, 100%. And so, um, I mean, at some point you have to get off the fence and just do it. Um, and like I said earlier, you need to be on the same page as your spouse. 100%. So, um, I think if you're, if you just like really have a longing to serve those people now and you're about to have a baby and you've got little kids. Yeah, now is um, not the time while you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you actually can't, they won't let you be licensed right now. You have to, you have to, your baby has to be at least one year old. Um, but which is, which is wise, but, um, sorry, they, um, you can just get licensed to babysit and um, Watermark is really trying to get just like a database, if you will, a bullpen of people that are, hey, like when they need help with meals, I will, or hey, I can babysit or hey, I do respite care so that we can serve within the church for those people and that we're not necessarily have to go through an agency, but we can continue to pour in to these families intentionally, like biblically to really restore families versus not necessarily there's anything wrong with just contacting your agency to find a babysitter or a respite, but like any hours that we get with those kids that we can live on them and teach them the truth of Jesus is just like bonus time. So babysitting is huge. Um, and that may just be like on a whim, people can call me kind of thing. So there's always a way. They've changed it. I'm it's actually not, twice a year. I'm um, not sure how often and when. It's uh, you can find the information on the watermark. Yeah, it's on the at the Plano page. campus too. I think they're. Mm -hmm. I think it's at Dallas twice a year, Plano once a year, something like Don't that. They used on to that. only offer it annually, so I'm not sure how often yeah. they do. But it, I mean, it's a longer. It's a longer class, but it's awesome. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Totally. If you, so they are, it's not like free flowing operational, but they are working on it. So if you're interested, you can go to the Watermark Family Restoration Ministry page. And at the bottom, there is a contact that you can like contact them and it'll send it to the admin um, and just let them know, hey, I'm interested in helping. Like I'm a warm body. I can drop off meals. Like I can't do babysitting because of XYZ, but whatever you would like to do to serve. They also have started doing, um, what's the name of the date nights that where you can oh like i don't remember what remember it's what called it's, but like well, free babysitting for basically where you can families. yeah where you can bring your kids up here and go and have a date night um and they pair your foster kids one-on-one -on -one with an adult with a mentor um which is awesome to know that you're not dropping off like all your kids at one baby or you have one babysitter coming over for all your kids so that's another thing that you could um you know do that kind of thing to love on those families so did you have a question yeah Yeah, so what are the financial aspects of fostering? Um, you don't do it for the money. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that. But you do get like a daily allowance per kid from the state. Um, there's a lot of tax things that play into it. If they if they live with you for more than half the year, you can claim them as a dependent, um, some things like that. They actually talk about that a good bit in the intro to adoption class. Um, but typically... The cost of the child and the things that you purchase are 
pretty much covered by the allowance from the state. Um, so you get like a monthly check from your agency and that covers those things like extra food, if you have to buy a car seat, clothes, things like that. Babies um, who are on formula will qualify for WIC and that covers those, that too. So I know formula is a big Medicaid. They get Medicaid. Healthcare mm-hmm. expenses are covered. You actually have to use Medicaid. You cannot take them to your private doctor and pay cash. So you have to have those things kind of checked off. Uh, but logistics get a little fuzzy as far as like organizing all those things. But cost-wise, it's, it's pretty much free. It's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's no cost either to be licensed. Like there might be with like domestic or international adoption. No, I mean we try to tally up our costs with stuff just um, as far as having to do a couple of things to our home and stuff, even to be licensed, and it did not add up yeah. to much. It was maybe under two hundred dollars altogether. Right. There's a lot. I mean, um, I would say that's like the one perk. Um, foster children get to go to any. Texas State College for free. Yep. Any any in-state tuition is covered. If you covered. were ever in foster care, even after adoption. Mm-hmm. So our two adopted girls get to go to school. They will be staying in Texas. Yes. <laughs> at a state school. Yeah. Um, so there is. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, and then they have a lot of post-adoptive services through your agency and through the state just to follow the kids and be sure that they're, like, developing well and that you have the resources you need. Um, so you, d- you're, you definitely have resources that you need. But if you have specific questions about that, you can reach out. For sure. Brooke? First of all, overseas adoption, I... I heard the question real quick. Yeah, oh, why did we choose foster care versus like like overseas adoption or even domestic adoption? Overseas adoption was never really on the table for us. You have to travel a lot. I don't have a heart for a specific place, and I just knew that there were kids here that really needed a home. Um, Domestic adoption... I would say still now isn't even off the table. I mean, like we would still totally consider it. Foster care just really tugged at my heart because I knew there are kids waiting. There's always kids there. I did not feel the need to like permanently have a kid in my home. I'm okay with somebody coming in and with somebody leaving and us just kind of being the interim. Um, Really love being able to love on the moms as they struggle through and try and work out what they're working through. Um, So that was really where my heart was in it. Um, If it came to adoption, if we did adopt through foster care, through CPS totally fine with that too like we have room to have a child permanently in our home what would you say yeah I mean some of the same but really I feel like just like there is with anything in life like I feel like the Lord put something on your heart um, because there's just as much as a need for safe (laughs) safe homes for kids that are adopted as infants domestically for kids in China need a safe home kids from Africa I mean So it's not like there was a better choice or a best choice. I don't believe that at all. But just for us, we um, developed relationships with a lot of foster families. And um, I don't know, like, that's just where the Lord led our hearts. Like, we just, so um, I don't really have a concise answer to that. But I think if, I think if you start praying about it, he won't, the Lord will make it clear, basically. Oh, I did want to, we do want to just touch, we, you go ahead and talk, talk about that. I was just thinking last night after we, you know, we'd already had these handouts made and everything that another thing for y'all to be um, just cognizant of, if you have friends who are fostering, is what a toll it can take on a marriage. Um, just like anything difficult takes a toll on a marriage. Um, it, I think that Dustin and I really grew through this experience, and by the grace of God, we're able to, for the most part, have a really good, solid team mentality about it, but it took its toll, Um, and so we have really had, I mean, I think before fostering and adopting, um, we enjoyed having date nights. Now we need them. Like, we have to take that time for our marriage to be healthy, Um, and so just touching base with your friends and checking in like, Hey, how is this affecting y'all's marriage? Just ask that question. And, um, babysitting is a, like we said, another huge way you can help giving them the gift of a date night is huge. But, um, just being aware, because I think sometimes we don't want to share when our marriages are hurting or struggling. Like there's a pride thing going on there, but if somebody asks us, we might open up and talk about it. And I would say, too, I never felt like our marriage was, like, struggling because we were on the same team, like, definitely on the same page. But, y'all, I was so tired. And so who got, like, put on the back burner? That was totally my husband because he understood. And so we would just, like, put the kids to bed and just, like, 
crash. Crash. Yeah. Like stare at the TV or, you know, like totally zone out or just because we didn't have any. Inter- so just protecting that and understanding that that needs to be protected too because um, that's the core of your family right there. Um, was there anything else that we thought of? I don't know. I don't think I had anything else pressing. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so foster versus foster to adopt. So you can just foster. Um, and that means that you keep them as long as they are in that kind of interim period if they were, if that point. Um, like we have a friend, um, Sarah Pfeiffer, who's um, a member here at Watermark. They foster babies. She's got two teenagers and they do babies. She is not adopting a baby. <laughs> she, They will foster and then those babies go on either to family or get adopted. And they're okay with that. That's just where they are. Um, they know the importance of loving on those the little, little ones in the first year. Um, if you, we were told when we got licensed, if you're even considering adopting, just go ahead and do foster to adopt. Because then it's a lot easier if you are fostering and then that child comes up for adoption and you never thought you would adopt, but man, do you love this kid and God has just woven them into your family. It's just easier than going back and doing all the paperwork and everything for adoption. So there's really not a whole lot of difference other than like if it goes to adoption, paperwork kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Thank you ladies for being in here and just like showing a heart for like loving others, interested in adoption and foster care. It's huge. Um, It just makes me so happy to see y'all's faces. There is a, a handout that I know they included when we were in big group that talks about all the different ministries at Watermark. So if you have questions about anything else or specific needs, that's an awesome resource. We will post, the Nest will post all of the different talks online. If you follow the Nest on the Instagram page, there um, we will link to all of the different talks probably early to mid next week so you guys can catch up on all those.